Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Spadrosian throws to Sandberg and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first, it's over! 27 years of waiting have come to an end! The Giants have won the pennant! There was baseball, Brad. There was baseball this weekend, and today as well. So that means spring training has officially begun... And the Giants are sporting a nice two and one record after three games. Look at that. Giants are on pace. <laughs> win the 2023 World Series. You know what the funniest <laughs> thing about spring training is? And they say it for every team, right? Which is once spring training starts, there's something about spring training where you kind of feel okay about your team. <laughs> like yeah. we, we, we spent the whole offseason, and me more so than you like just being kind of down on what didn't happen versus what did happen though. You know, we we've talked about, you know, is it good for your fan base? If you're signing these guys to one, one year or two year with a one year opt out deals, cause they could just leave and all the goodness that they bring, you know, like we're last year, you're just there. And then you're, you're, you're a footnote, but just looking at the way that where they have so many players in, in different spots and, you know, right-handed hitter here, left-handed hitter here at the same position, and they can create some really fun lineups. And then reading about Michael Conforto and J.D. Davis when they were on the Mets in 2019, ripping each other's jerseys off, and Conforto just decided to be bare-chested in those moments on TV, <laughs> getting interviewed with no shirt on. Like, that stuff is so what's, what's so fun about spring training and baseball. You get to read all these stories. Andy Baggerly has been just killing it i just, I just love yeah. reading the spring training stuff so well, it, yeah great, it's great piece with uh buster posey with buster. that was fantastic I, I really enjoyed that and so like i don't know how you can be down on that stuff you know it's it's the new season we're just hoping that they have a good team uh there's no real baseball happening for another month or so so we can kind of just look with a great outlook uh, on what what's going on and uh, that's why spring training is fun. But but World Baseball Classic, those games count at yes. least, you know what I mean? So because right now, <clears throat> like we're going to go over box scores later because we have the box score from today. Giants won what, like eight to six, I think, against the Angels. They did. Um, I'll, I'll pull the I'll pull the uh, I think we I, I don't know if they have an actual box, but uh, they do yeah. have the game rundown. I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, you know, the I'm going to give up here. 
I'm going to give a plug for a super app. Okay. Um, I, I really like this app. It's called Sports Alerts. Okay. And if you're looking at the right one, it's got a, you know, it's a blue app with a, like a referee whistle on it. Um, it's one of the few apps that I've found for sports that does, if you're an iPhone user, current iPhone user with the latest iOS update, they're one of the few sports apps that uses live activity. Hmm. So you could choose a game, click on start live, and then when your phone is locked, it will be on the lock screen of your phone. Oh, no way. Uh, at, at all times. And it'll even have like a little blurb underneath it. Like, uh, like I, w- I quickly looked at my phone and said, you know, Della Plain coming in to pitch. And this was like the bottom of the seventh. And it'll show, you know, where the runners are on base. Uh, I follow the Vegas Golden Knights hockey team. It'll show you who scored the last goal, uh, who goes to the penalty box as things are happening. It, it's a wow. fantastic app. And it actually has a box score. So if I go to it for today, it's got the absolute full box score, all the pitchers, pitch count for each pitcher. It's, I mean, it's a fantastic app. It's called, uh, once again, it's called, <laughs> I lost it already. Sports, sports, sports Alerts? Sports Alerts, yes. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, really cool. No, I'm going to download uh, it. Yeah, and like I was saying, we're going to look at the box now. And, and so, like you said, games that don't quite count yet. You're going to see, hey, this guy drove in two <laughs> runs. This guy scored. And, and you're going to look at that and go, who? Like, yeah. these, guys, you know, these guys will not be on the 40-man anytime soon. These guys are not even prospects, some of these guys. They're just you know invites to camp who are there to uh, fill some at-bats and, and make sure that Crawford is not getting 120 at-bats in the spring and whatnot. So. Yeah, even to click on who this was, C. Williams, Carter <laughs> exactly. Williams, and and he drove in a run today, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he, a, he went yeah, one for three today. Yeah, had uh, a couple of K's, but you know, you got to see Elio Ramos driving a run today. Good for him. Yes. Glad to see him coming in. You know, he's going to be an interesting story. I feel like yes, I feel like they're not covering it because last season was such a disappointment for him. But there's like a comeback story in there for him that I hope to see Grant McCray got to play a little bit today. Uh, yeah. Casey Schmidt, uh, who was the hero from uh, the opener. Uh, and uh, who's, who's the other person who I said, Oh, there's uh Piscotti, P- uh, Piscotti uh, started. Piscotti. And Piscotti had a good game in the first game of the season too, on Saturday, first game of the spring season. Sorry. Um, Webb got tapped around a little bit today, but you know, yeah. He's, he'll be fine. He, his sinker yeah. baller is his sinker ball. He's not tired enough yet for that sinker ball to. Yeah, but dive. here's here's a positive: two innings, eleven pitches. That's it. Mm. And eleven eleven strikes. strikes. What the hell? Attack the strikes. <laughs> <laughs> he just said every pitch I throw today is going to hit that strike zone. Change up, fastball. I'm just going strike zone. And and something we were talking about solo shot. I think something we were talking about last week, which is. We would be more convinced that Joey Bart is really under the microscope if they actually had some, they, if they actually brought in a player who could compete with him. And they're giving Sable a lot of chances to catch here. I know yeah. he hit a jack in, in game one, and he's here, him and Wynn split the day. So we'll, we'll, that's something to keep an eye on. I still don't really think it matters, but uh, Logan he hit a home pitch. run on Saturday, Sable did. So Yeah, no, it was great. I think the question with Sable is going to be the defense. Um, having not, you know, having mostly been an outfielder, 
but also somewhat of a catcher. I think it's a matter of getting him a lot of reps yeah. behind the plate this spring to say, look, if he is going to be catcher number two, catcher number three in triple A, and then we bring him up later, we got to make sure he can call a game. Although with Pitchcom being on the belt of the pitchers now, maybe it's not such a big thing in terms of calling a game. The pitcher can call the game himself and uh, not have to worry about it too much. And uh, Keaton Wynn, who uh, Baggerly wrote about and the time off actually helped him uh, actually gain a ton of velocity, the, the lost season and him coming back from Tommy John and he's throwing harder than ever. Uh, and then Jose Cruz Jr. Oh, wait, that is not Jose Cruz Jr. <laughs> no, it's a, it is a Jose Cruz, though. It's a Jose Cruz. Yeah, whoever that is. Uh, oh, it, whoever it is, I hope, inning. Catch, I hope he can catch fly balls. <laughs> Sorry. So none of this stuff means anything except it just makes us happy to see box scores again. Uh, so I just wanted to show that for video and uh, and mention it for audio. So that was fun to kind of see a box score again. And, oh, yeah. and hey, you know, getting updates uh, about the games and such and I'm going to go download Brad's app after after this show's over so I can see yeah. that because that, that's also going to be helpful for basketball games that I can't watch live. You know, I used it the other night for San Jose State and UNR. Even though the game was on TV, I had to turn it off, though, because the audio feed from the UNR broadcast was so bad. It oh, was really? uh, chopping. It was in and out. Wow. There was del- Oh, it was so bad. So I used it for that. Um I used it, let's see, I use it for hockey, uh, college basketball, pro football, pretty much anything. Anything you can think of, you just throw it up there and you get the live. I don't know if you could do two at the same time. Mm. That's the only issue with it, Um, but maybe they're working on that. There's constant updates, though. They're always adding new sports uh, to it to to say this is now a live activity, so we can go from there. So, yeah. All right, so what are we going to talk about today? Um I think the first thing we have to talk about, and it's a little bit of bad news because this really hurts what they like to do, which is have multiple guys at positions and have the lefty righty stuff. And I think it should be, we'll probably need to talk first about uh, Luis Gonzalez, who's going to be out. And I think they were kind of relying on him to be uh, available and ready to play. And, um, you know, he was kind of a surprise last year. And there was a story that had come out that he had to skip out on the WBC. He was supposed to play for Mexico, hurt his back. So he was out of the WBC, got to get ready for spring training. And then uh, he was unable to play. Uh, they Bagley mentioned about a two-week injury. But I think we've even had an update since then about his back. And... Uh, I think Kapler said it's going to be a little bit and he's going to miss the start of the season. So starting the season, the beginning of the season, that's four weeks at least. And that changes some things for the Giants. I think they said four to six. So whatever that is for him, uh, that changes what what they can do flexibility wise for this team. Yeah, it's going to be tough because he's a left-hander. Uh, I I had also read that it was going to be tight for him to make the team anyways mm-hmm. because of the log jam in the outfield. Um, but if you if you want to load the 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 outfield with lefties now, you got Yaz, you've got um, Lamont Wade Jr., and then if you do that, you're going to have to plug in Jock Peterson at 
first base, unless you want to put Jock Peterson in left field. But I think the Giants want to do everything they can to avoid that uh, this season. So they're working him out a lot at first base right now. But my understanding is the confidence at first base from other players with Jock Peterson there is not that high. (laughs) Yeah, that is the issue here, which is does he play anywhere in the field? And I know the, I think the thought process is he is too young to just exclusively be a DH. He's got to be able to add value to the team elsewhere, but I think he's adding value by not playing defense. Yeah. So what does that mean? Because if he's the, let's say he's the left-handed DH is Wilmer the right-handed DH? Is that is that how we're running this thing? Or does, you know, because Wilmer can also play first base and they can just put Wilmer at first base. Then who becomes the right-handed DH? Is that J.D. Davis? But he's also very young. And, you know, it's it's sort of like if we're, if we're saying that the DH has to be exclusively a DH and we want Jock to play the field and stuff, I'm just like, you you lose runs for your pitching staff, the second Jock Peterson takes the field, whether it's in left field or whether it's in first base, I don't know why they want to lose those runs. You know, and you make a good point, but could it be a little deeper? Could Kapler look at it in a situation and say, okay, uh, later in the game, we need another left-handed bat and we know we're going with these two or three pitchers who are strikeout pitchers. Yeah. They're not pitch to contact uh, relievers. So we, we feel okay putting Jock Peterson there. It lowers the chance of a ball being put in play, a ball, uh, you know, a play being ha- having to be made at first base. Um, so, it, you know, it's, but then the ad, that's really a gamble. I mean, if you're yeah. going to play the game like that, that's, um, and I'm sure there's a lot of fans out there who think that Kapler plays the game like that. Um, I'm just throw, I'm just throwing that out there as a suggestion. Uh, but you might have to just really play the odds at some point. But yeah, you do you do lose runs, especially. I, I think I feel more confident with him at first base than I do with him in left field. Although now with the new rules that we're going to talk about later, the pickoff moves, the bigger bases. I don't know because then you're going to get more base runners. If if uh, if there's more errors at first base, you're going to get more base runners, uh, and, and then you're going to run into issues where the guys are going to start running wild on the bases. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a really tough one. I, just not having a true backup first baseman uh, is a little bit pain. I mean, and and honestly, we don't even have a true starting first baseman like a true true starting first baseman so the the whole situation at first base is kind of messy where's brandon bell we should give him (laughs) he's wearing an uglier jersey i I saw it looked weird right yeah he's north of the border he's putting uh, maple syrup on everything now i think that's (laughs) isn't that what they do up there (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's uh it's gonna be weird seeing him in that uniform I mean, thankfully, it's not a different kind of blue, but it is. It does look weird that he's wearing the uh, the, the the Toronto Blue Jays uniform there. 
Yeah, I think Siri, yeah. like Siri, heard me say Brandon Belt <laughs> and just decided to start giving me facts. She's calling him. Belt. Is she calling him? <laughs> is, she is said, this, "Get Brandon Belt on the line." Is this Chat GPT jumping into my Siri? What's going on here? <laughs> One of your sons loaded it on your phone. <laughs> uh, okay, oh, so uh, the uh, I guess the last thing I want to say about Jock is. Sort of, you sort of mentioned this already. There was a, a line in one of the pieces I was reading, and it said Kapler, Peterson, and several other former Dodgers, Alex Wood and Ross Stripling among them, have acknowledged that it didn't go well in Los Angeles when <laughs> Peterson attempted to play first base in 2019. He finished with almost as many errors, six, as assists, eight, in 20 games. I want to see those errors, though. <laughs> That, I mean, were they batted balls hit to him that caused the error, or were they throws that caught? Because if they're throws, somebody throwing to him and it was a catching error, right? That could be an issue, right? If it's a batted ball, okay. I mean, you know, get away with one or two here or there, yeah. But uh, yeah, I want to see. I want to go back to 2019 and, and just look up. Go to YouTube, look up Jock Peterson errors. I wonder yeah, I wonder if you could find him. Chat GPT, come on. It's got to find it for us. <laughs> I'm going to look it up right now. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm very curious. Very curious. Okay, while, like you, a, a while, low light reel. while you're doing that, I love – one of the things I love about off-season is somebody will pitch a story to a writer, or maybe the writer's just really interested about, oh, this person just – really hit the weights and dieted extra and come into camp in better shape than ever. <laughs> and now this isn't that in a sense, but I do love these stories because there are two giants and I'm sure there are more than two, but there are two specifically who I've seen stuff about. One of them is Sean Manea, who is one of the pitchers that they grabbed. Who's on this, you know, one of these uh, one year and, opt out after the after the one year deals. And one of the things about him is when we were looking at his stats from last year, not great control, pretty hittable, you know, not doesn't miss bats and all that. So, what does he what what does he deal with? What does he come into this season with? Oh, he goes to drive line and adds 5 miles per hour on the fastball coming into camp. Jeez. So he wants to desperately start missing some bats here because he saw, you know, he looked into the the analytic uh, analytics. Eno Saris was was uh, telling him all this stuff about about why he wasn't as good last year. So he comes into camp with uh, with a fastball that is coming out a little a little harder than than previous year. And the other one is Sean Jelly. Now this one's a little weird because Sean Jelly is six <laughs> ten. And he's probably over 200 pounds, but probably not that much over 200 pounds. He's just a giant, tall human. But he added 15 pounds to his frame this year. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how the 15 pounds establishes him. Is it to throw harder? Is it to? Is it for injury reasons? Like I read that he was eating like a 4,500 calorie diet, so he's eating like. 
you know, twice as much more than normal humans. I do uh, that on some days to, to put on the weight. <laughs> like, what, what do you think is the reason to put on some to put on that weight for him? I mean, he he kind of mentioned it was to have the consistency. So, uh, you know, as you know, it's been talked about when when you start a season, you're at a certain weight, especially for pitchers. And as you go on in the season, you start to kind of lower weight. Yeah. Um. So keeping a higher weight to start with, I think he wants to probably get to the end of the season at what his starting weight was last season. Um, that's that's usually the reason for that. I know like when Roger Clemens, you know, <laughs> pre-steroid Roger Clemens, when, when he wanted to get more on uh, hump on his fastball, he'd really work out the legs, yeah. um, add calories, work out the legs, work out the glutes. Uh, and then you get that push, that drive. Um, some of the numbers, uh, Jelly finished at 93 miles an hour one night uh, last year. Um, and then, and then he, he kind of started in the lower 90s, ended around there. But, but he's kind of a mid-90s fastball guy. So I, I think what he wants to do is really just kind of stick around that mid-90s. Um, so adding that weight, I think, I think could really help. Um, I'd love to see their diet. I'd love to see like what, you know, what are they eating to get there though? Um, because I'm always curious about that when they're like, yeah, 45, you know, hundred calories, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, is that a burrito? Like, are you yeah. going to like the local hole in the wall and getting a kick-ass burrito that's got a bunch of lard in it? Like, what do you, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, these guys are professionals. They've, they've got the people to do it. Us, yeah. if we want to gain, you know, add 4,500, we're just going to go get a pizza. Yeah. Right? You're just going to eat, yeah, we're just going to eat carbs, the stuff that we don't let ourselves eat during normal time. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, it, it is interesting because, you know, he, he's a major league baseball player. I'm sure he has access to a dietitian and to a trainer. So he's doing this in the right way, but it's, it's an interesting thing because like you said, this long season, it, you, you cannot stay on your routines when you're constantly traveling and you're on flights and you're in hotels, you know, he can't then go, Oh, you know, now I'm going to eat this amount of cal. Oh no, I got to go to the park. What am I thinking? You know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Like th there's, um, you know, this happens in other sports too. A, a lot of times in, in football for the same reason, because a 20 week or 21 week season for a young player and they're used to like the 13 college week season. And so it's a drag on their body. It's almost like their body's just going like tapping out. You know, it, it, this is hard. So for him, I, I just find it hilarious because he is so big. It's like, it's oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah you know, he, the, the power forward needed to put on more size so he could <laughs> get more rebounds and, and box out a little bit better. But I wonder yeah. what it means. I wonder what it means to him, especially from a confidence perspective. Like he's putting on, you know, Kruka would probably call it like he's putting on some big boy weight. Like, you know, because he's now, <laughs> you know, what he's in his like mid 20s. Right. So he's kind of yeah. growing into into himself. And uh, but do you think that uh, so so this is to, to keep the weight on this is this is this is saying we're, we're leaving the mustache because the mustache adds a little yeah. bit of pounds. Right. Yeah, I uh, probably like eight pounds. Mm -hmm. Like of of the ten he wanted to gain, probably like eight pounds. But I was looking. <laughs> that that's an ugly mustache. <laughs> I'm so I'm sorry, Jelly, but that is. I mean, some mustache, some mustaches are cool, but that that one's got to go. Um, <clears throat> so he said that he wanted to uh, going into the offseason, he wanted to gain ten pounds on his frame. 
So it said he was eating large meals, three large meals, and then adding snacks here and there. So he mostly ate chicken and lots of starches. Mm. Um, so, you know, like, uh, what is that? Like yams, you could eat yams, you could eat potatoes, mashed potatoes, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and he, when he reported to camp, it said he was up 15 pounds. He only gained 2% in terms of body fat. See, that's hmm. the right way to do it, man. That's, that's hard to do. I know when, when we kind of look at like dieting and stuff, my wife and I were not dieting, but like, okay, let's cut out this and do this. Mm -hmm. We'll add sweet potatoes. We'll add yams uh, mm -hmm. into the diet. Um, and, and, and kind of cheat with the, that type of stuff, but then no carbs, like, right. okay, no carbs, but we can do those types of carbs cause they're starches. Um, and then when we're doing a lot of weights, we'll notice a difference. Uh, we won't gain that fat. We'll gain kind of muscle. So, I mean, that, that's pretty much it. I think he just wants to, to sustain that fastball and, and keep it going a little bit longer. Okay. In, in longer in the games. That is. If you were jelly then yes. your trainer and the dietitian and the Giants organization comes to you and goes, you have to gain 15 pounds for next season. Yeah. What are your go-to carbs that, that you're going to, that you're going to just constantly eat that you don't really get to eat on a normal basis. I have mine in the back of my head already. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I eat, here's the problem. I eat everything on a regular basis. <laughs> But I just, I just kind of watch my portions. Mm -hmm. So like we had pizza two nights last week, but flatbread pizza, one, one of them was a cauliflower pizza. So, mm -hmm. you know, so that, nothing hardcore. Um, but I think, I think for me, if you give me a good Mexican hole in the wall joint with a killer burrito, that all of that that big fat tortilla on it warm tortilla i'm gonna eat that man that, hey, that's what about do, do you add the chips and salsa to that or you just go flat burrito straight burrito? Oh, no i go chips and salsa okay yeah, okay there we go yeah that, that, that's no, got to be part of it i'm going all out man and then i put the hot salsa on the burrito as well yeah and then whatever falls off i put it on the chip <laughs> the chip. you gotta you gotta you gotta eat it all right yeah no great <laughs> I think so, you know, I was born or I was raised, uh, my mom is uh, Japanese. So we had white rice like every oh, meal yeah. of the day when we were growing up. And I don't eat a lot of white rice these days. Uh, I we, we had switched off a little bit to brown rice and I just kind of took the rice out of the diet. I think I would go white rice and some sort of gravy on top of the rice or white rice mixed in with some sort of some sort of meat and and a sauce. I think that's what I miss most. Those are the carbs that I miss most is just having rice. Like it, like uh so much so that for Thanksgiving, I think I mentioned this, we have white rice for Thanksgiving rather than mashed potatoes. Like you know, we throw nice. the gravy on the on the white rice, and that's, and that's how we it. do it. So that's I think that would be my go to. It's like, hey, you need to gain fifteen pounds. I think it, I would just gain it all in eating rice. <laughs> so, so like a so kind of like you would go like moco loco style. Have you had a moco mm -hmm. loco before? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like Absolutely. that type of style. I had one in Hawaii. I made the mistake of having one in Hawaii before snorkeling. Don't do. Oh. That. Do it after snorkeling when yeah. you need to, you know, when you've burned a lot and you're out in the ocean for three or four hours and you're like, I can put some carbs back in now. Yeah. 
Yeah. Don't do it before. That was You know the problem with snorkeling (laughs) for me is I got like super motion sick. Yeah, you can. Yeah. You can. There are areas in Hawaii I've gone before where there's a storm out on the horizon and you're just doing up and down the whole time. And after about 45 minutes, you're like, I'm good. But then there's other times, nice calm ocean. I'll I'll go out there for two, three hours at a time. Just chill, man, and and just watch the fish and record everything and then float around. I saw a shark once. That wasn't fun. No. Wow. No. I didn't have time there. You were going to be the shark's carbs there. Yeah. We floated over it, and uh, my my oldest daughter was swimming back, and she was probably like, I don't know, 12 at the time. And uh, my sister-in-law poked her head up, and she goes, did you see that? And I said, yes, I did. Let's mm. head back. <laughs> it was a reef shark. It was pregnant reef shark out in the middle of the day and just kind of swam underneath us and went back into its cave. And we're like, let's head back in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Let's get to what we are drinking today. I sent you a, a text earlier about I found a bourbon uh, at the grocery store. And if I see something different and it looks kind of interesting, I generally try to pick it up and just try it because I just like trying the new the new stuff. Yeah, F- uh, Fry Ranch or Frey Ranch? Frey Ranch. Frey Ranch. Frey Ranch. Yep. Farmers plus distillers, non-chill filtered straight bourbon whiskey. I sent this to you, and you said this was a local distillery for you. Yeah, so Fallon, Nevada, is probably about 30, 35 minutes east of us. You head towards Salt Lake City on 80, um, and about 30 minutes out of the way from here, you hit Fallon, uh, and these guys have been around. They've been making some waves lately. Um, They do everything there on site. Uh, Really cool YouTube videos. If you get a chance, go check out Frey Ranch if you see it in your stores. Uh, the, the prices used to be really, really high because they were kind of just local distribution, but now they're starting to branch out a little bit. Prices are coming down much more affordable, but it is a very tasty. I've, I haven't had the regular bourbon, uh, but I'll cheat a little bit. Tonight I'm having. Oh, I'm having the, the, rye. the rye, the straight rye, which is spicy, spicy rye. Very tasty. Spice. You know, you know what sells me on these things, too, is the bottle. If the bottle's cool. Yes. Yeah. I almost always just get it. Like, unless it's like really yeah. cheap, you know, if it's like 20 bucks and I'm like, oh, they're just, they spent all the money on the bottle and none. on <laughs> yeah. the But that bottle was so cool. I was like, I need yeah. to get it. This is, you know, it was, it, it wasn't inexpensive. It was, it was a good, yeah. good price, but I was like, this bottle's cool. I've never seen it before here. I'm going to pick it up. Does yours have the super weighty cap? Yes. It's like a metal cap. Yeah. This thing is. I mean, it weighs like a good, a good pound or so. Yeah. Frey Ranch FR. There it is. Uh, but yeah, this sucker is. So, can you actually heavy. visit the distillery and do tastings and stuff? Yeah, my parents. Um, I don't know what happened. We we got invited and then they just went uh, one day. But they had <laughs> one through like yeah, I don't know. So uh, through Hot August Nights here, which is you know if you've ever been to Hot August Nights, it's kind of a big deal here. Yeah, you know. Um, so they had won uh, their volunteers and they had won, um, through one of their volunteer nights, uh, a tour and tasting 
of Frey Ranch. Um, this was years ago when they had first started. And so they said, hey, you guys should come with us. Let's do it. But the kids were young. And then uh, I think a year went by or so. I said, hey, uh, you guys want to go do that? And they go, no, we already did. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. <laughs> but yeah, you still can. You can still go visit and do tours and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> that, would, that would be awesome. I would love to. Oh, yeah, like for that. sure. Okay, so let's uh, let's kind of get through some of the other things that we were going to talk about today. Uh, last week, you talked about the pitch clock and how that may affect the players. And we saw a little bit of that this week. The Giants got, I think, Camilo Duvall got a strikeout because a batter wasn't set in the box at the right time. I have yet yeah. to watch any of the games, so I'm really interested in seeing how like, what are the umpires doing? Are they kind of telling these guys? Or are they just looking at the clock and the guys have to, like, know? You know, the guys have to know exactly, you know, what the to what the time is or else they're going to, you know, screw up here. But I'm glad that they have the full spring and that the umpires are being super diligent about this because that's the only way these players are going to get used to it. I know Kapler really likes it because it speeds up the game and he's kind of a go, 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 go guy. Uh, yeah. So that's that's good. But did you see or I, I mean, we didn't they didn't show any of the games, but have you seen any of of the stuff? And do you have any opinion on how the how the the new rule, the new pitch clock affected any of these games? Yeah. So I watched on Friday. I watched a couple of games uh, on the MLB app. They had uh, first kind of punched them out there uh, on the MLB app to watch. Uh, Saturday, I watched a couple others, had them on while I was doing stuff. The pitch clock and. and and like um, John Miller and Dwayne Kuyper have talked about, because I listened to parts of the Giants games on on Saturday and Sunday on KNBR, and uh, and like Darren Chan had sent me that message too that yeah. they're back here on in Reno, so I got to listen to them on AM uh, on Saturday when I was driving around, which was awesome. Um, but yeah, I it, like they had said after the first inning or two, you kind of forget about it. You you really don't think about it until there's a violation. Um, some of the games I was watching, the clock was really big, uh, behind home plate, other stadiums, there's no clock behind home plate. So you can't see what's going on. You have no idea as a, as somebody watching it at home. I think that's going to change. Um, because when you're watching football, you see the play clock, it's worked into the score bug. Yes. So I think they're probably going to start working on, Hey, how can we get this into the score bugs? So that way, like one I was watching, they, they put it in the score bug, but it was like watching 1980s baseball because they had the score bug in the top left. Then they had a little box that showed the actual like video of the clock counting down instead of like worked <laughs> into the, into the actual, like, you know, dynamics of the graphics. It was like, I, cause I think we used to watch that too. When we were watching football in the eighties, bottom left corner, you'd see a quick little like picture in picture of the play clock yeah. counting down. And now it's worked into the score bug as part of the graphic. Um, but I thought it was pretty interesting. I don't, from what I've gathered from some of the interviews, uh, some of the blurbs and stuff, I don't think the umpires are giving them warnings and saying like, hey, two seconds, hey, move it along. Right. Um, I think it's just happening. Uh, but guys will get used to it. And it's funny, too, because the Giants had two violations in the first game of the season on Saturday, and both of them were violations on guys from AAA who used the pitch clock right. last year right they so that that was it. the 
yeah, so that was the funny thing. So I think violations are going to happen during the season. You'll never get to a point where they don't happen. Um, but I think it's just going to be a matter of uh, when do they happen? Are they in big situations? Because one of them, in, in uh, I can't remember who is playing, but one of the spring training games, um, oh, it was Boston and Atlanta. They were in the bottom of the ninth inning with the bases loaded, and it was six to six, and uh, bases loaded, full count, two outs, and the batter was called out on strike three for not being ready. And that ended the ball game because, you know, in spring training, they end in ties. They're not going to yeah. go into extra innings. Uh, so that ended the ball game. So if you, if you get a pitch clock violation in 2023 that ends a ball game, there's going to be complaints. As the years go on, I think guys are going to understand, like, this is the situation where I cannot get a clock violation. I wouldn't even Keep my feet in the box. No, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Keep your feet in the box, dig in, pitch comes in, look right back at the pitcher, be ready by the, before the ball even gets back to the pitcher. Especially if you're not, you know, I, I'm sure the third base coach may flash some signs and maybe you just kind of have your back foot in the box and you're just kind of sure. quickly glancing. But yeah, man, just stay in the box. Like you don't have to step out of the box to adjust anything. Just be ready. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit of an adjustment as as a fan. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. The games have moved along at a at a fantastic pace. They've been going super fast. Um don't have an issue with it. Uh players don't have an issue with it. Players actually like it. Um Camilo Duvall, like you said, didn't have an issue with it his first time out, even though he's been averaging like 22 seconds per pitch. Uh, I don't know what his velocity was um, yesterday during the game, um, but the only violation was actually against the batter uh, in one of his uh, stints. So, so uh, our our, uh, our buddy Shelvin, who's mostly on the 49ers uh, stuff that we do, but he's also a, a baseball fan and he's in, he's in uh, Arizona. So I, I don't know if he's going to see any of the world baseball classic stuff, but he's, you know, smack dab near spring training. He said, see the game yesterday that ended in a bases loaded strikeout due to the timer. Is that what you were talking about? Yeah. So that was Saturday's game. I was actually watching Saturday's game. That was the one I was texting you about saying, man, this game, is six to three going to the bottom of the ninth. They've scored nine total runs. They have 20 something total yeah. hits. And we're at two hours and 17 minutes going into the bottom of the ninth. Well, then Boston gave up three runs, and it was <laughs> six, six, and that's how the game ended. Right. Um, so yeah, it, again, if that happens during the regular season, it's going to be a problem, but that's the rule. Yes. And it's here to stay. People are going to complain about it. People are going to get fired up about it and say, that's not how a baseball game should end. Baseball games should not end on the clock. I've seen suggestions of, well, what about the ninth inning? We don't have a pitch clock. Then you have an unbalanced game because now your closer is going to be uh, beneficial. He's going to have uh, benefits when it comes to the ninth inning. He's going to come in knowing I don't have a pitch clock. I could walk around the mound and throw the pitch every 30 seconds. I can take my time. Everybody before me couldn't do that. So, so you have a bit of an unbalanced um, uh, situation at that point. So I don't think you're ever going to see like in the ninth inning, turn off the clock. Um, Here's how I've described some of these rules to people. Baseball's audience, the, the television audience, I'm not talking about every fan, but the television right. audience is – 
very old. Now the way the way TV demographics work, the way the, who TV sells to is they sell to the 18 to 49 demographic. And the larger the TV rating that you do in that demographic, essentially the more valuable your product is. Now baseball's audience is on the high side. And mm-hmm. I kind of the way I explained it was like it's it's like a closing in on a golf audience, except it's not as rich uh, as a golf audience. And I think these rules, if if they are put out, if they are put out correctly, if they are operated correctly, if they are utilized correctly, these can help the game get a little bit younger. Because th- as we know, there are a lot of fans who have kind of given up on the game a little bit. And so if you can bring back some of the things that uh, excite fans, then uh, maybe you'll get some of those fans back. And so I'm all for adapting the game. Like I know baseball fans are like purist, this purist, that I get that part of it, but look at football. Football is the most popular thing in pop culture and they friggin' change their rules every season. Yeah. Right. Every every yeah. single season, oh, every time, every this season. is how the rule now works. Because they're constantly trying <laughs> to improve what what is there for the viewer. They're not necessarily trying to improve the sport. They're trying to improve the viewer experience, which is why you can't really hit the quarterback anymore. Because why does anyone want to see Joe Montana missing a full season of football? Because he couldn't yeah. stay healthy, right? So let's keep yeah. the quarterbacks on their feet and so that they don't, you know, you can't you can't kill these guys. So I, I get the idea. It it is about television. It is about making sure that you can still sell the game to fans. It is there's some of it is is a live experience too because I've been to Giants games that went extra innings, and I left at like the twelfth inning because I had to jump back on Bart before Bart just stopped operating, <laughs> and then I drive all the way home to my house and the game is still not over. And then it finishes in the 18th inning. And so, you know, they, they don't want that to happen because they want the people who pay to go to the game to see the beginning of the game Mm -hmm. and to see the end of the game. You don't want that fan to be like, ah, I got to go to work tomorrow. So I'm leaving in the 10th and then they miss the climax in the 18th because, you know, there's 5,000 people still left in, in, in the thing. So I get all of these things. The baseball, the purest fan, some of the the idea behind the purest fan is all marketing. It's all like, oh, baseball's the original sport. There's no clock. There's no bl-. but but guess what? Like these other sports that have all of these things, they lapped baseball when it came to popularity. So, you know, we all know baseball's still a great game. I'm all for trying to get some some of those fans back. Let's try and make baseball popular as it can be, man. Let, let's let's uh, work together on this stuff. Well, and and that's the thing. I've seen a lot of that lately too. Is there's no clock in baseball. There's no. There's not supposed to be a clock in baseball. It's the only sport without a clock. Okay, there's a there's a clock now, but it doesn't determine the end of the game uh, unless you get a situation like you did the other day. But again, that's you. You can blame that on one person, and that's the batter. Yeah, the batter struck out because he was not playing within the rules. That's the. What, what what if he takes a swing and his back foot goes out the back of the box? He's out. Whether he hits a home run or not, 
he's out because he's out of the batter box when he makes contact with the ball. That's a rule. So, and you have nobody to blame in that situation, but the batter, you still don't have a clock. Technically you don't have a clock in baseball because if you're down by 13 runs in the bottom of the ninth, you can score 14 runs and win the game. There's no clock. You can still do that. Um, that that's still the beauty of baseball. As as long as that's still there, I'm I don't have a problem with a pitch clock. I don't have a problem with really any of the other rules that they have put in this year. I do only have a problem with don't put them all in in one year. Yeah, you, you know, give us the pitch clock and bigger bases this year. Okay, cool. Now next year, let's introduce. Uh, the pickoff rule. Okay, then the next year, the shift rule. Um, I don't know. It, it was. I think it was a little too much at once. Yeah, it's hard for old school baseball people to digest that there are like five or six rule changes this year. But you know, no more home plate collisions. We got used to that. No more taking out the second baseman or shortstop on you know turning two. We got used to that. It, you're going to get used to all of this stuff. It's just going to take a while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's talk about some of these other rules that are put in play that we didn't talk about last week. Yeah, so I was just talking about bigger bases. So they've gone from 15 inches by 15 inches to 18 inches by 18 inches. They're calling them pizza box, ba- pizza box bases, which makes sense because they're as big as some of the extra large pizza boxes. Um, they're still 90 feet. They're measured from the back tip of home plate to the back corner of first and third base. So the front of the bags are now three inches closer to home. That's going to make a difference because you're going to get fast guys out of the box who now only have to go, you know, uh, three inches less than they did the last few years. Um, So you're going to see a couple more infield base hits. Probably Uh, some of those closer plays are going to be a little, some of the bang bangs are going to be more towards uh, the favor of the hitter. Um, That, that, rule was put into place to see if they could get more steal attempts because you're also three inches closer uh, from first base to second base. Uh, so, so again, some more of those bang, bang plays are going to be uh, more in the favor of the uh, base stealer now. Um, and what, you know, what major league baseball is trying to do with all of these rules also is just not, not to get more scoring, but to get it back to baseball. So instead of the, three true outcomes that we've seen grow over the last 10 years or so, which is home run out or strikeout, you know, well, uh, more like home run strikeout walk, but one of those three would happen. Um, and they're trying to get away from that and just say, look, let's, let's get more towards the game of baseball. Let's get back to base stealing. Let's get back to action in the field. That's kind of what the shift is for banning the shift. Uh, you can still shift. You can still, and we've seen pictures of it over the weekend. You can still move your second baseman deep in the hole, uh, and, and a little bit more towards first base for left-handed hitters and your shortstop can play almost right behind the bag. Uh, and then your third baseman can scoot over. Um, so you're still going to get a, a somewhat of a shift. And we've seen also, you might you might get the left fielder coming over for a left-handed hitter mm-hmm. and, and playing kind of that buck short position that uh, kind of steal away a hit from maybe between the pitcher and second base. Um, 
Yeah, that, that's what I was gonna. I was wondering. So, yeah, we saw a lot of scenarios last year where the second baseman was in short right field, yeah, and the shortstop was kind of behind second base, maybe a little bit closer to the first base side of second base, and that was taking away hits from dead pull hitters. Now, right. if you are a team trying to recreate that strategy while not breaking the shift rules. Can you put your second baseman near the second base bag where the shortstop used to be and bring your left fielder all the way over to play that buckshot buck short, not buck short, but kind of where, where that second baseman used to be. And then maybe you have your, right fielder and your center fielder kind of shaded towards the gaps or something like that. I wonder if we're going to see yeah. that. You you can absolutely do that. There is no rule against the outfielders. Outfielder shifts can happen. They could be, you could put them anywhere you want. But now if you start doing that, of course, you open up gaps. You yeah. open up the left field line, right field line. You, you, you it's, it's a gamble, but you can do it. Um, Major League Baseball is going to keep an eye on it, I guarantee you. And if they see that happening all season long and they ban the infield shift, they don't do anything in the outfield, they're going to start doing rules for the outfielders where you've got to have, you know, one outfielder between uh, second and, or sorry, between third and second and one outfielder between first and second. Uh, and then the center fielder can, you know, only play between blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they'll, they'll come up with something, I'm sure. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this season plays out. I haven't seen anything uh, in the outfield, any craziness in the outfield yet in spring training. Uh, we're only a couple days into it, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then a couple games today. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of stay tuned for that and see what happens. Yeah. And what I also wonder is we would see Brandon Belt drop a drag bunt down the third baseline yeah. every once and again, right? Now, would a Deadpool left-handed hitter maybe try to, sl- you know, they, they used to slash, you know, you bring the third baseman in who's crashing for the drag bunt, and then you kind of slash it over his head. I wonder if we would see some of that to take advantage of where the gaps may be, but these hitters may not be able to do it because they don't really they don't really train for it. They just train to crush the ball that's in the zone. Well, and I, I think you're going to see a gap. So you're going to see the players who are in Major League Baseball right now, and, and then you're going to see the players coming up through the minors over the next five or six years, and you're going to see a shift kind of in how the game is played. It's not an immediate. These rules were put in place not to have immediate impact mm-hmm. on the game. It's going to be five, six, seven, eight, ten years down the line of, okay, the game changed ten years ago. These players who are in the majors now all played with those rules in the minors. I, I'm, where, I'm wondering how long is it going to take for these rules to trickle down to college and high school? Yeah. Because if you're not playing in high school with these rules and you're playing differently – uh, and then you get drafted and you end up in the minors and all of a sudden things are different. So I think they're going to have to adapt too. So I think it's going to start trickling down. I was thinking about this the other day. How long is it going to take for it to trickle down to college and high school? And then how long before we start seeing, like you said, slap bunts, uh, before we start seeing um, 100 
stolen bases in a season again. Um, I mean, we talk about that as the good old days, right? The, the, <laughs> the, the running Redbirds of the eighties. I mean that, you know, uh, it was a different game. It really was like, a different game. You know, it's almost, it's almost like 40 years ago. Oh. <laughs> Stop it. I know I keep forgetting I turned 50 this year. I'm like, remember last week when it was the 80s? No. Here's, here's, here's another thing. The Giants have a couple of players, Grant McRae, Vaughn Brown. They aren't the current style of, you know, Jack Peterson, Pete Alonzo. These guys are just you know, swinging out of their shoes with the launch angles, yeah. trying to put the ball Easy. out of the park. But those guys, the game should bode well for them a little bit more with the with the bases the way that they are and the shifts. And you know, you could see or the 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 lack of shifts. You know, you could see, uh, you know, the 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 value in a player who hits for power and 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 can also steal bags because what was happening when the game sort of transitioned is even the guys who could run a little bit, you didn't want them to run because the idea was the stolen base was a foolish risk because, you know, you you would rather rely on the power to drive that runner in than give up a possible out. And now those possible outs should be a little easier. It may mean that the great base, base runners become even greater and that's it. But I would think that it would, you know, make the the average or, or maybe above average base runners into better base runners, especially when it came to stealing bases. And maybe we'll see more of it because that risk was kind of fun unless you were a team who would just run into outs all the time. Cause there was a um, trying to remember the year, but like you look at some of the, the stolen base numbers back in the day and you kind of wondered like, I'm just going to throw out a name like Dan Gladden. You remember Dan Gladden from the mid eighties oh, yeah. Bay area boy, he would have like, oh, Dan Gladden, 24 stolen bases, and he was thrown out 19 times, right? <laughs> and like, because in the, in the stats, it, it would only say how many stolen bases you had. It didn't yeah, say how many yeah. times you got thrown out. And so back then, like, yeah, those are kind of like dumb outs to just run this guy all the time. And then he's like only going, you know, 55% successful. But you have the smarter strategy, and then you add to that, these bigger bases, it may turn some of these guys into monsters. Yeah. And, and that's what they're hoping that that's really what major league baseball is hoping that we kind of get back to, um, you, you know, a chess match when we were, you know, when we were growing up, we used to tell people, they go, why do you like baseball? Baseball's boring. What the, it's just, it's a chess match. It's, you know, runner at first base, can you get him to second? How can you get him to second? Because it's easier to score from second than it is from first base. As the game has turned into runner at first base. Well, I'm just going to hit it over the fence. That's how I get that guy home. And Major League Baseball wants to get away from that. They want to go back to the ex- excitement of the stolen base. Uh, and, and even stuff like the stolen base and the throw into center field from the catcher. And now he's down to third base. And 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 nobody out now. You got a runner at third base, so we got to get that guy home. How can we get him home? Uh, we got a lefty up, can't shift, so maybe the lefty is now going to knock a single into right field, super hard, uh, score that run, and we're good to go. So it's uh, you know more exciting. And then again with the pitch clock, you're gonna you kind of even it out a little bit. You're, you're going to score some more runs this year, I'm sure, but you're also going to 
not have longer games because of the pitch clock. So that's going to kind of bring things uh, into balance. Um, and, that, and that's what Major League Baseball is hoping. But we haven't seen it yet because we've only seen spring training. And in spring training, you get, what, 11 pitching changes per side. So we, we, we don't know exactly yet. But if you get a pitcher who is working fast and can throw 90 pitches in eight innings, uh, and on the other side, you got a guy go, you know, 85 pitches in eight innings, uh, and then one pitching change per side, two pitching changes. Do you get like a two hour and seven minute game? I think we're going to start seeing those again this year. They're going to fly by. And like I told my wife too, I said, now I can actually like a 645 night game. You get two good pitchers in a pitching matchup. I can pour a bourbon and sit there for two hours and 15 minutes and actually watch the entire game yeah. instead of going, I know this is going to end at 10, 15. <laughs> so I better start getting my lunch ready for tomorrow at work. <laughs> I, while I'm watching the game, now I can concentrate on the game, yeah. finish the game and then do my other stuff afterwards. So it's going to, a lot of people are going to see a kind of a change in their own lifestyle too. If you're a huge baseball fan, a short shrift to Dan Gladden a little bit. 30 in 1985, 32 stolen bases, only 15 caught stealings. So okay. still, not I mean, the greatest percentage, but still no. you know, much better than, than I thought. There's another player. But who, he ran 45 times. Yes. And you don't see that anymore. So there's another player who I'm sure I'm thinking of who was like 50-50 and had like a lot of stolen bases. Oh, there's yeah, there were a lot of guys back in the day who would just they would take off, man. If they got to first base, you knew. This guy's going to take off. And then, and you're going to see a new crop of catchers too. You're going to have to see some strong arm catchers coming out. Um, Sean Murphy is one of those guys who has a great arm. The Braves traded for him because they knew that this, uh, this rule change was happening. Also with the pickoffs, only two pickoffs um, moves per at bat. So if you've got a runner at first base, you can only throw over there twice. If you throw a third time, the runner is either safe on a balk, safe on a rundown, safe on a stolen base, or you got to get him out. And if you don't get him out, he's going to get second base no matter what. Um, so you have to be sure what you're doing on that third pickoff move. But Sean Murphy uh, has perfected the back pick. So a throw, especially if you've got a, a right-hander at the plate, Throw an outside pitch, he can back pick you over to first base and try to get you there if you've thrown over there twice already and have a bigger lead. Uh, and like you said, too, we're going to see more Keystone Cop stuff where the ball is thrown into right field, uh, <laughs> back picks. Are you going to back pick to third base? Probably not. That's a dangerous throw. Uh, but maybe we just uh, see some more chances being made. Mm -hmm. Okay, last thing I wanted to mention before we get out of here is take a look at the... Dominican Republic team <laughs> starting lineup. <laughs> and, and now this isn't official yet, but just some of the players were kind of trying to decide if, you know, what, what could the lineup look like? And I wanted to read this lineup to you because I, I'm team USA all the way. You know, I, I have my hat. I'm not wearing it today, but you've seen my hat. I'm ready. I'm ready for the, the, the world baseball classic. But I looked at this lineup. And I was like, dear God, how are we supposed to win this, this thing? <laughs> I'm going to read it to you. Okay. Hitting first in center field, Julio Rodriguez. Maybe the best young player in, in all of baseball. For sure. Hitting second, 
in left field, someone who's going to make $500 million very soon, Juan Soto. Hitting third at third base, someone who just signed a $300 million contract with the Padres, Manny Machado. Hitting fourth, maybe had an off year last year, costed you a, a lot of stubs in, in uh, the show. <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr., <laughs> It cost me way too many stubs. <laughs> Hitting fifth, just also signed a, a pretty giant deal. The DH for the Boston Red Sox, Rafael Devers. Hitting sixth, uh, right fielder, really the first name that isn't like a, a possible MVP candidate here. And maybe he will be. Teoscar Hernandez in, in right field. Uh, World Series hero, Jeremy Pena at shortstop, hitting seven. Wander Franco. At uh, second base, hitting eighth, and Francisco Mejia hitting ninth as catcher. Gary Sanchez, I think, is is Gary Sanchez also on this team? I saw a lineup with him possibly being being on this team. I I thought he was. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't even has he he hasn't even signed with anybody yet. So this mm. is, I think, this is kind of his showcase. Yeah. Also, to you know, because a guy like that, yeah, you want to go play in the World Baseball Classic if you're invited because you want to showcase yourself and say, Look, look what I can do. Don't forget yes. about me. So. Yes. So you you heard that lineup. It is an amazing lineup. Yes. I, th- if they don't win it, it's it's probably a little bit of a disappointment, right? Um, they they have such a stacked lineup, and it made me think. You know, if we really want to lean in, if Major League, because this is exactly what the NBA did with the original Dream Team in 1992, the idea was let's grow the game. Let's grow basketball. We want everybody in every country playing basketball. So we want these pros to be in the Olympics so that it helps grow the game of basketball. And we are growing baseball. There are a lot of the Latin American countries. There are a lot of the... um, Central America, there's a lot of these countries who predominantly baseball is their number one sport. And so I think it works in that way. But there's so much, so much more you can do to broaden the game. And I was thinking like the World Baseball Classic winner, whatever that team is, that should be one of the all-star teams. And the other all-star team should be just the best players in, in, in baseball who are not on that team in, in the majors because that would celebrate what we are doing with the World Baseball Classic. The MLB is driving this World Baseball Classic thing, right? Yeah. It, the, like, they are driving it. It is it is important to them. Who knows how long it lasts, but let's make it bigger. Let's make it more important. World Baseball Classic winner gets to be one of the teams in the All-Star game. It's an exhibition game on the big stage. And, you know, team, you know, team whatever against whether it's you know Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico or the US and let's let's set that stage for the WBC I would love to see something like that just to shine a light even more when it is WBC season cuz then I'm like oh yeah in 4 years or in 3 years when they do it again the All-Star game is going to feel a little bit more special because it's going to feel a little bit more important so I would love to see that happen and I don't they they would never do it I don't think they would but Let's no. let's I, utilize this, man. Let's let's grow baseball and take it for all it's worth and celebrate the winners and do whatever we can to just get younger people inspired to, to play. 
I, I like your idea. I think the only problem would be like, what if Japan wins it? And it and it's July. it interrupts their season and, and yeah, yeah yeah they're overseas I mean they got to come over uh, and, and get acclimated you know in terms of time difference or and like how do you do that that's hard um, I thought about I was thinking about this today World Baseball Classic is only three weeks so every four years just take three weeks right in the middle of July. Mm stop everybody's season everybody comes over and play but again now now you're stopping every season yeah but it, you know in the world cup they did that this year in, in november usually the world cup for soccer is in july because nobody's playing in july june july so this year it was in qatar when they had to do it in november because in qatar in july it's like a hundred thousand degrees. <laughs> yeah. I mean, average temperatures is like probably like one ten or yeah, something like that. that that's so they rough. they had to do it in November where it was like eighty five degrees, right? And and they can handle it. Um, so they stopped all of the seasons in, in all of the soccer. I mean, there's there's hundreds of soccer uh, leagues around the world. They stopped all of them and did this. So if Major League Baseball says, "Well, we can't," we'd have to stop all. No, you'd only have to stop like four leagues and then you get everybody over here and you play your three weeks of the World Baseball Classic every four years in July. Do it here in the United States. Um, that Have that take the place of the All-Star break and the All-Star games and everything else. I think that would be fantastic. I would just, I would absolutely love that. I think a lot more people would be into it. It's summer, yeah, summer baseball. Um, that's kind of what goes hand in hand. I was looking at the Dominican team from five years ago, last time in, in the world baseball classic, mm -hmm. the lineup is not even anywhere near the same. It's insane. And this, and the Dominican team didn't even make it to, uh, the final, uh, semifinals and the finals or anything. Um, it was Gene Segura, Manny Machado, Robbie Cano, Jose Batista, uh, Carlos Santana, uh, Nelson Cruz, Adrian Beltre, uh, let's see, Gregory Polanco, and then their catcher was Castillo, which was uh, Wellington Castillo. So that was a bad team. <laughs> <laughs> so... so the the DR has come quite a long way in five years. I mean, they they have to be the favorites. Uh, them in Japan yeah. have to be the favorites to win the World Baseball Classic. And like you said too, I'm I'm all on board on USA Team, team USA. But these are some like major all star teams that that like Dominican Republic has put together for this tournament. So I I was listening to one of the sports media guys talk about why. You know, baseball losing these RSNs and, you know, we, I don't, the RSN situation, essentially, whatever cable channel you use to watch your baseball team or, or your basketball team, those channels are kind of going away, at least the, the least successful ones. And the idea was around, you know, baseball marketing their guys. And I was like, and and then they use everyone uses Mike Trout as like the, the person <laughs> to make the example of, right? Boring guy doesn't say much you know that's the best player in baseball and to me i go what like why don't we market some of these other players who aren't just 
American players because they're fantastic. They speak out. They have so much fun. They're not afraid, you know, about their, they're somewhat afraid of, of ruining their image, but they just have more personality than someone like Mike Trout. Mike Trout wants to, you know, put his helmet on and grab his lunch pail and, and play. <laughs> he doesn't want to be like the face necessarily, but like, think of someone like, um, you know, we're talking about Carlos Correa. Now, Carlos Correa wasn't going to inspire, you know, Giants fans to to all of a sudden, you know, start coming out and, and selling the place out again. He may have added some of that, but it wasn't going to be like Aaron Judge. But then you see, like you hear, he's like, oh, yeah, Lindor, I'm going to go play third base. You're, you're the guy. Like, like yeah. there is personality there, but we just don't shine a light on it. And I don't know if it's because they're not American players and, you know, they're not like the ones that are going to get these giant sponsorships. Maybe they should be. Maybe we should be shining a light on some of these players, like the ones who are in the Dominican lineup. Like I, I was telling you and and my, my kids that I think J-Rod is the one. Like I think – you know, we, we were talking about who's going to be on the cover of the show, and it was Jazz Chisholm. I was like, yeah. it's got to be J-Rod. He's the best young baseball player with a great personality. If you saw that home run derby, he's showing out that personality. He's like, let's market him. Now, I know there's an aspect of it where, oh, you know, these guys don't like English isn't necessarily their first language, and, and maybe they're not great English speakers yet. I get that piece, but in, in baseball – if we're highlighting certain guys, you know, we just got to show highlights in, in some instances, right? Like, okay, he plays for the Seattle Mariners. Guess who else played for the Seattle Mariners? Ken Griffey Jr. We didn't have a problem marketing Ken Griffey Jr. Right. And the game of baseball, you know, who, so if he doesn't speak the greatest English, we put him in situations where he just highlights what's really good about the game. And uh, I, that's, uh, that's a concern for me is, you know, they complain about the marketing and it's like, there's so many good personalities. They just don't fit the cookie, the box, you know, the box of what, right. of what we usually expect. So a little bit of a yeah. soapbox there, but I wanted to mention that because I think there are some really, really entertaining people in this sport. Well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Major League Baseball has had a marketing problem for years. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the answer is. I, I mean, their their marketing is so bad. But but again, it's the, it's the longest season in terms of games in any uh, major sport. So uh, how do you market 162 games? How do you market you know, watching games in June uh, when you still have three months to go before you have a clear idea of what the playoff picture is. Yeah. Um, so that I, I think that that that's a lot of it there. But yeah, I, I mean, you can take like Shohei was, uh, you know, he was the cover athlete of MLB The Show last year. Um, he, to me, is the most exciting baseball player I've seen since, honestly, since Barry Bonds, probably, uh, in terms of just can take over a game, um, is, is an athlete, uh, both on the mound and at the plate. Um, but I kind of feel like, like, oh, well, he was the face of the show last year, so let's move on and let's do mm -hmm. something else. But Major League Baseball needs to get behind this 
Um, and, and they need to they need to hire like the biggest marketing firm in the world. <laughs> get get weird, get crazy with your marketing campaign. Um, start start showing these players in a different light. Um, I don't know, man. I, I I don't even know what the answer is. But it's it's whatever they're doing now is not working. Yeah, I'm sure Toronto Blue Jays fans are like this Vladimir Guerrero Jr is hilarious and he's entertaining and he's young and he's got great energy. And why don't more people who watch baseball or more people who watch sports, the guy's pops was a great player. Yeah. You know, why aren't we, why aren't we showcasing this guy, you know, a little bit more than we are. So it's just stuff like that. I just, I just wonder, Yeah. I just wonder about it. Uh, Okay. We're done. I just want to mention, you can see it in my, let me see right there. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> right there Plus, there it is <laughs> you see the the url for those of you on video bspnmedia.com we have a new website and also we've added a fourth show which is a short show on the on the days that we don't actually do a show so yesterday rod and i did we want winners rod is deep 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 in early stages of free agency he's looking at cap stuff like he's he's already on fire <laughs> uh and so he's carrying that show and then we had this show. Brian and I will probably do something on Thursday for the death lineup. So there are other days that we don't have shows. And in some of those days, I'm not saying all of them. Some of those days, I'm going to do something called BSPN News, where it's going to be a short, short show, less than 10 minutes. And it just kind of catches you up on some of the stories from the day before or a couple days before. We did the first episode last week, and we'll do more. We'll probably have one at least this week. And we'll I'll sort of figure out the rhythm of of doing those shows and uh at just adding a little bit more to this feed a little bit more value for the listeners who uh who come back to us and, and check it out like like shelvin shelvin is amazing i met shelvin because he was looking for a place to chat about the 49ers and he joined our page and then he joined our group and now he chimes in on some of the baseball stuff that we do and he's a phoenix suns fan so he'll chime in on some of the nice. warrior stuff that we do so i you know, having Shelvin here, I'm looking for more people like Shelvin to kind of reach out to. So, all right, that is it for here. Uh, one of those podcasts again, where I was like, Brad, we got about 25 minutes of, of stuff. How are we going to stretch it? And we stretch it all the way out to 72 well, minutes. We got we got real baseball to yeah. talk about now. Heck yeah, so, yeah, heck yeah. All right, so uh, we'll be back next week for Brad. I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace. <laughs>